Hello there, my name is Renee Alexander and I am Deputy General Manager of the Minnesota State Fair and also past chair of IEBA. And I'm very lucky this afternoon to have a chance to have a conversation with Rendy Lovelady with Pepsi Cult Gulf Coast Jam. So uh, Rendy, welcome, so excited to have you here. And you know, I, you. Host, I hosted a couple of these last uh, spring of 2020, and it's much more fun to do this now here in June of 21. Last year, you know, it was a lot of, <laughs> a lot of speculation, a lot of talking about force majeure language and contracts, and now we're getting back at it. And you were one of the first ones to get back with a, with a big festival this June. So congratulations. So Thank you. why don't we start with you just telling us a little bit, you've got a long long and storied career in this industry. So tell us a little bit about your background. So Renee, you're just saying I'm old. That's what you're saying, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, honestly, the, the, the short run of it, I, I got started in the Sanger Theater in New Orleans with the Messina Brothers, which Louis Messina now runs AEG. And um, went through that process and through doors opening, I became part of the Pace concert series or concert system and went to work with bands like Van Halen, Motley Crue, Bon Jovi, doing everything from tour manager, production manager, every kind of manager there was, swept the floors and all, everything and above. So did that for about 13 years and then uh, started uh, in the management business. And I've been very lucky to have had in my past bands like she's uh, Jars of Clay, Striper, Collective Soul, um, Little Big Town. I'm, I've been very privileged over many, many years. And then about 10 years ago, I decided I want to do something stupid and get in the festival business. So I have spent the last 10 years doing everything from Bama Jam, which was a big uh, festival in Enterprise, Alabama. Also, Tennessee River Run, which was in Nashville or outside of Nashville, Savannah, Tennessee. And, and now my mainstay is uh, Pepsi Gulf Coast Jam, like you just said, and in and, and, uh, Sand Jam presented by Pepsi, which are two rock, a rock festival and a country festival. They're both in Panama City Beach. So that kind of gives you the brief scenario of an old man. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and I can, it's probably safe to say, even in your long career, not being old, that nothing has experienced anything like what we've been through the last 14 months. So no, I mean, yeah. there's, there's no way. I mean, you know, part of our, our business is risk management, so to speak, whether it's liability, whether it's storm cancellation, whether it's all the above. I mean, after Vegas, then we had a new level of security. Mm -hmm. And after all these things play out and, and just who could have even thought for a second that we could have something like COVID come in and just shut our business down. It literally, when we had our event, it had been 20 months from our last event. So wow. we literally went a long time and it was, I mean, you, you can't plan for that. And the sad part is, is now you can't protect from it because I don't know about your luck, but I can't find anybody that's really talking about any kind of COVID insurance, so to say. Sure. Yeah. So it's a, it's a work in progress, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no question about it. So, so let's talk about getting back in June and how those plans uh, came to be. And, you know, just doing a little research. I mean, you, it seems to me you did not approach it in a cavalier way. It was very much in a, in a safe and proactive and really kind of thoughtful process. So I, I'd love to hear, and I'm guessing too, you know, those plans evolved over time as, as things change. So just love to hear about kind of the, the planning process around, 
around getting Gulf Coast Pepsi Gulf Coast Jam back up this June? It's um, it was it was it really was a process. I mean, uh, it all started, you know, when we had to end up canceling Sand Jam because our normal rock festival is on the beach in April, and so that was the first festival to die from our perspective. And we didn't really understand COVID. We didn't understand what it was. It was all caught up in the politics of the country. And you didn't know if this is what the agenda was. But we lost it. And we said, okay, but surely it'll never hurt us come September. Uh, you know, that was three months into COVID and it was brand new. And, you know, we were just kind of going, well, next thing we know, cases were rising you know, the debate of what a case is and what a case isn't and what's, you know, it was amazing that certain diseases quit counting and all of a sudden everybody had COVID. And, but at the same time, it was still our reality. And um, so we were faced with the cancellation or what we did. We canceled Sand Jam because honestly, to reschedule an event of that magnitude was virtually impossible that in the rock world, especially because everybody in the rock world went cold. I don't even want to talk about I don't I mean they never tour again, that type of thing. Whereas in the country world, they were definitely open to it, but it, it, it definitely, it got weird. The whole president election came out and it got weird and, and everything just got real intense. And basically um, Luke Bryan was uh, and his management team was very uh, proactive with me. Uh, he didn't really want to take a perspective of the back seat and let me drive. I mean, they, the, the whole, I got to be straight, the WME team as a whole was very active in, in the process. And I just happened to have three WME artists that were headliners for mine at Skinner and Brad Paisley and, and Luke. And they all were very proactive in conversation. And we basically reached a point where we said, you know what, I'm not even sure the people will come if you put it on sale or if you go on, if you do it and we, and our sales were amazing. At one time uh, we were sitting at about 18,000 tickets in the bank and we said, okay, we need to reschedule. So dealing with sponsors, dealing with artists, dealing with ticket refunds, dealing with all the above, it was a very dramatic time. And we just knew we had to reschedule. So we just threw a date out in March and said, we'll, we'll shoot for that. That seems like it's a long time after the presidential election will be over with. So maybe in March, everything will be good. Well, we got to, to, to January and we began talking again as a team and everybody was like, well, maybe, well, maybe we'll see, we'll see. And then when everything happened with the presidential election, it seemed like it kind of did a kind of a backspin, so to speak, and progress kind of stopped. Um, so then we moved from March, we actually said, okay, we're gonna to need to put it off some more because again, there was such a panic and we were hitting our ticket buyers. You know, we have probably a hundred thousand names in our database where we, we were hitting them in surveys and going, okay, if we do it this way, you come, that type thing. And everybody was kind of unknown, uncertain, don't know. It, it, there was no, yes, I'm coming. You know, it was literally, there was a fear in the consumer. There was definitely a fear and the artist, because the artist didn't want to be that artist that everybody, Chris, you know, crucifies because you were the first one to do it. And of course, as a promoter, I'm sitting here going, OK, this is my life. I don't have you know, I don't make millions and millions of dollars a year. I, I work all year for three days. And OK, now we're rescheduling it again. 
So we started looking for a date to reschedule again, and, and we, we initially moved it to May, and we hadn't announced it yet, and Luke's American Idol announced when their finalist was, and it just happened to be the three days of our festival. So then we had to move it again. So by the time we had our done, we were down to as low as 4,000 tickets paid in, in the box office because we had refunded that much because people were just, they didn't know what to believe either. Mm-hmm. And so when we rescheduled from March to June, I kind of started to be a little bit more proactive about instead of kind of like, let's see what happens. I started kind of like saying, okay, what do we have to do to make this happen? I want to be safe. I want to be responsible, but dang it, man, I got, I got to do this show. I can't do social distancing because when you're, when you're dealing with the millions of dollars that you know, we are dealing with, you can't say, okay, every six feet, let's put a person there. You, you physically can't fit 30,000 people into an area socially distanced. It just doesn't yeah. work. And, and the so, financial, the financial model doesn't work. It does. Yeah. It all, it all falls apart. It just, yes. the house of cards, no matter how you tried to stack it, it just, it didn't work. So then I started saying, okay, what do I have to do to make this show happen and be safe and have people sit next to each other? And I, and honestly, I'd gone to, to, and my girlfriend and I had gone to the Outback Bowl and I had lived the whole mask thing at a football game and where you're socially distanced and you take your mask down and the next thing you know, somebody's yelling at it, put it back up because you're sipping a beer and you're going, wow, what, what do I do with that? Well, I know, and you know, you get a festival group of people that are sitting there for three days <laughs> yeah. and they're happy. We'll call it happy. And they're, they're just not, there's going to be no way no. to enforce it. So then I started going into a process. Okay. How do we do what? Cause all of our surveys kept coming back, telling us when they're sitting in their seat, they need to know they're safe. Well, the only way I could come up with to determine that the only way they could be safe is to know they don't have COVID. So then we went into the process of looking into testing, you know, 25,000 people because, you know, the vaccine was coming around and there was a number of people that were taking the vaccine, but we didn't know how many that was going to be. So we actually started going, well, is that that even feasible? And we had actually started with a group of researchers out of California that felt like they could actually come in and test 25,000 people for the festival. And we said, okay, let's look at that. And then we didn't know if COVID relief plan was, or the COVID cares, forget the name of it, forgive me, would cover it. So we were at one time looking at a $400,000 line item just to have the event. Yeah. But the re- the reality was in the business world that we live in, I had annual sponsorships that I had to make right before I could get new monies. So I had this pressure I have to get the show done, but then I have this other pressure. It can't be not safe. I have to have my consumer feel very confident that they're safe in the park. I have to have my consumer feel like that I've done an adequate job protecting them. And even in my crazy Southeastern Louisiana, where I got my people from Alabama, that's, you know, and and Georgia and Mississippi and Florida, that's going, I don't care. I'm coming. You still have this in the back of your head. I got to be safe. So Then we got a little closer to the event and all of a sudden our research people said, you know what? The reality is these tests only good for three days. So if it's a three day event and they test on Friday, then that means by Sunday, they're going to need a new test 
because they're going to hit the town and they're going to go out in the streets and, you know, Panama City is wide open. I mean, our governor has been amazing for this process. And all of a sudden, then we were looking at almost a $700,000 line item to test people twice in three days. Well, then our research started coming back going, I ain't testing twice. I'll do it once because you're making me, but you ain't going to make me test twice. So, I mean, you're sitting here and you're talking to your artist going, okay, these are what we're, this is our protocol. This is what we're doing. We had found a company called 3P America that had a hand sanitizer. When you spray it on your hands, it supposedly, and I mean, allegedly protects you from touch, from your touch systems for up to nine hours. So you spray every, so we thought, okay, we'll make them spray their hands when they come in. So that's one part of the touch system that would protect them. And then they had a secondary spray that you could spray on all surfaces from stage tops to bar tops to porta potties to whatever. And it supposedly protected that area for up to three weeks. And even then you could still do your normal sanitation, like spraying it down with bleach and it wouldn't do any kind of desensification to that. So we felt like our touch area had become safe. And we felt like that we could, that was one of the biggest concerns. So, you know, that one of the quickest ways to catch it by touch. And we felt like we had that protected, but we still came back to, if they're sitting in their seat, how do you make sure they're protected? And the time got closer and we got about 45 days out and Renee, our ticket sales went through the roof. So all of a sudden my consumer fear was gone. They were going, we are just, we're ready to play. We want to come back. We want to play. I still had, and, that, and it was, and it just the switch just flipped, didn't it? I mean, it was like overnight. It was, yeah. it was yeah. like something happened, and all of a sudden, in my 250 mile radius, went, we're coming. And I mean, big tickets, little tickets, it didn't matter. They were just buying tickets, and then and all of a sudden, Randy, real quick, what ahead. is the de what is the demographic of this particular festival? What what this is your festival, primary audience? It's at 38. A 44 year old female with a household income of a hundred grand a year. So it's not your normal country yeah. festival. They have to come to town. It's not camping. They have to stay in a condo for four days, which adds to your price, but it also kind of screens out a lot of the different kinds of personalities that come to your, to your normal fairs or festivals. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely a, a different kind of monster from that perspective. Mm -hmm. But that that still, they were ready. They were the, yeah. the people were were very ready to come. So then all of a sudden we went from how do we get this to happen to okay, this that's not even a subject. Now we're like, we're making this happen. Now what do we now to do to make it happen? It wasn't a question mark now. So then we went to the agencies and we began to talk to them about okay, the people aren't scared anymore because from an artist's perspective, that's part of their fear is like. I don't want to be the blame, but also will they come? Well, when we started showing the ticket numbers, all of a sudden the artists started taking this like, okay, maybe it's time to get back in the game. So we began to find, and I'm just rambling, Renee. So if I ramble too much, just tell me, shut up. But <laughs> I'm trying to cover that subject adequately because if I'm listening to this, this is the questions that I'm wanting to hear, so yep, to speak. Yep. But um, so I'm, as a promoter, I'm trying to make my artists feel comfortable. I've got the government's comfortable. Like the, the governor is like, go. And so you, you had, you had full support from a government standpoint. I had government. I had local government. I had police support. I, there was no red flags there at all. I had 
I had the artist support that that was beginning to warm to the idea. So after we found out about Luke, we moved it to the weekend after June, which in Panama City Beach is the lowest summer numbers because they come in for Memorial Day and then all of a sudden they go home for a week and then all of a sudden summer starts. So Got it. it was a good week to fill in. Also, we had never done a show. You, you have a show nine years and you're branded on Labor Day. So we didn't know if that would affect. So we kept moving forward. And then all of a sudden, I told you we, we had the problem to show up about having to test twice. And then it became a negative test issue. Like it all of a sudden just became like, this is almost impossible to do too. And then the timing and all of that. Yeah. That's it virtually became impossible to flip the tickets. It just did. It, I mean, we had 150 uh, medical personnel that was in the pay in, in this budget to come to town to be able to test people throughout the park. And just literally, it was a, a nasal test. It wasn't invasive. It was simple. It was 15 minutes later and you had an answer. So you could go. But the problem is you had to do it all on one day and you had to do it with 25,000 people. And it, it just virtually became impossible. So then yeah. we began... There was a show, a fight, uh, I don't, an MMA fight, I think it was, that happened in somewhere in South Florida, where they did a survey, and they actually uh, had an app that you could go on to that you had to, to answer the, the standard four COVID questions that really said, I'm trusting you, are you telling me the truth, have I been exposed to COVID, am I running a fever, am I... You know, have I, do I have any kind of conditions that would make me think I might be exposed to it? And then have I been in contact with it in the last 24 hours type thing? And based on that, they did that survey and they let everybody in the park. I mean, in the arena, of course, it wasn't but 12,000 people, but still it was a good first step. So we began to look into that. And we actually came up with a conclusion through our, our risk management team. And, and our risk management team has Homeland Security in it, has the Sheriff's Department in it. I mean, it has all the elements of um, people that can make a conscious decision, not sure. just me that wants to have a show. Because I, yeah. I, I really kept telling our staff, don't tell me what you think I want to hear. I really want us to argue about this. I want us to really work this through. So all in all, cutting to the chase, we actually came up and actually developed a, a dot com to where we required you to go on on a daily basis because we thought, okay, if you went out last night and you could have been exposed to it, then you're going to answer that question correctly. And then if you come in and you answer those four questions and you answer no to anyone or yes to any one of those, then we have a test that's a 15-minute test. And then instantly sure. to, that way I could cover it on both ways. And that way you could come into the park, you could sit into your seat, and you could presume that the person next to you had no COVID. So we did that and we did, when we actually opened the gates in June, every person, I mean, we, it was, it was a, it was a hot mess because every person had to be surveyed. They had to take that test before they could come in the park. So they had to buy their wristband to get in. Oh, that's the other thing we did. We made it a completely cashless system. So that again, there was no, no other touch. touch. Yeah. No touch. Yeah. So I tried to find follow our protocol, being that you had the, the hand sanitation, we sanitized all the tops, and then we developed a, a cashless system. So it was kind of like we were trying to set it up to where let's just don't touch each other, but here we are, you know, 25,000 people next to each other. So 
we didn't require a mask. We said it was it was your decision, but we need we made sure that every person that came in that park checked our liability box that says we understand they're coming into a COVID or a a COVID area, so to speak. I, I forget what our exact wording was, but it basically they were eliminating our liability because they knew that they were making their freedom of choice to come into the park. At their at their own risk. They were that's correct. You're entering at yes. your own risk. That's exactly yep. right. So they did that. They had to do the test. We didn't have anybody test positive or not say check yes for any of the questions through the three days. That's not surprising. But here's the yeah. best news. It's been over two weeks now since our event, and we haven't had a spike in COVID at all. And That's matter fantastic. of fact, our numbers in Panama City Beach continue to drop. So and even in the surrounding areas, what we call our, our, our 180 mile club, which is that real close group that comes, we, there was the numbers continue to drop. So That's even great. after our event, we could prove there was not an increase in numbers in COVID after you had 25,000 people in the park. Yeah. So the artists were great. We came to a decision unanimously to start. I mean, everybody was anxious. Nobody knew what the outcome would be. And then up until really till Friday, uh, I mean, I guess it was Thursday, yesterday, I guess it was, or Man, I'm losing my track of time. I'm sorry. It was Wednesday that we find out that there was no spikes. There was no increases in COVID. And a matter of fact, the numbers dropped down based on, on the county numbers. Great. That it didn't, it didn't, it worked. It did fine. And I, I think, and I do believe, you know, the country as a whole is getting vaccinated. I mean, I do everybody, the artist, the staff, everybody had to take the test, the survey when they came in. So even the artists came backstage. And I mean, everybody was unanimous in, in trying to be effective or backstage. You know, we can go into that in a second if you want me to, or I can go to it now. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I'd love to hear just like what you did, any changes backstage related to catering or, you know, dressing rooms that just, you know, just all, yeah, I would love to hear a little bit more about the backstage piece of it. So the backstage piece of it, we required all artists to bring their own bus. And that would become their dressing room. So that way they were Got secured it. in their own area. We gated off, even in the backstage area with working staff, we gated off the buses. Once the buses pulled in, we gated it off and that became a protected, within a protected area. And then we have, what we have is we have our sponsors backstage bar. We actually gated it a path from the front of house to the back of house that was completely secured. So the artist. When they walked through, we would stop that pass. Then artists went to the stage, did their thing from stage and came back. Again, all of my stage crew, all of my uh, all working personnel backstage had to do the survey every day. We required it. And it, we, if we had anybody that said yes to anything, we, again, we made them take a test. So you're trusting people to be honest. But again, we're grown adults here and it, you're trusting them to, to answer the questions honestly. We tried to secure the environment, because I mean, honestly, I sat down with Mark, uh, he's Luke's tour manager, and he said, our, our issue is, we're not even worried about COVID, but we have a protocol that says if somebody on our team gets COVID, then the whole team has to shut down for 14 days. And we all know Luke Bryan is not a cheap act. So he's going, that could be millions and millions of dollars if somebody catches COVID. Again, not fear of dying catching COVID, no. but fear of spreading it. So that was his philosophy. And I, and I honestly, and that was Luke's management's philosophy. So their team stayed as secure as they needed to be. And he didn't let any of his, you know, normally wives and boyfriends and all that stuff come backstage. Nothing was allowed backstage. 
I mean, as far except the actual band, the actual crew that worked with them, and they all had their own buses. They stayed on their buses and they all came in separately. And honestly, they were one side of the extreme. And then you had Leonard Skinner, who is the oldest one, the most vulnerable, and they just didn't care. They were like, <laughs> let's go. So, and they had all just had COVID. So it's, it's funny. It's, you had all the, the funny interactions with people. And I think we all tried to create as, as, um, safe of his environment you could it was funny the first day there was a few people wearing masks in the park by the third day there was no mask in the park yeah. it was just everybody was let's let's just have a good time yeah so, so you i mean it's just it becomes i mean no meet and greets we lost all of our meet and yeah. greets which to yeah. your sponsors is a big loss mm -hmm. um but i mean artists fight you on meet and greets anyway because they don't want to do them anyway so they had an opportunity to bail out of them now anyway so we lost our meet and greets and, but other than that, I mean, everybody was friendly. I mean, the guys from Skinner before they went on stage, I was sitting there and um, one of them came up to me and he said, man, I'm scared to death. I said, why are you scared to death? Chief, you've been doing this forever. And he said, I hadn't played a show in 14 months. And he said, I, I'm, I'm, I am actually scared to go on stage. Wow. And the same thing, I mean, Brad Paisley was right before he was going on stage. He was, my partner and I were standing there to the side of him. And he was almost white as a sheet and he was doing his scales, doing his scales. And, and, and my partner finally said, are you okay? And he said, no, I'm not. I feel like I'm playing my first show. And, and honestly, I mean, it was, it was a packed house. So they were, they were, these guys were walking into their first show wide open with a crowd ready to go. And it was, yeah. they were nervous. It was actually kind of fun to watch everybody be so excited. The crowd yeah. was amazing. We had zero arrest. I mean, it was, it was, everybody was just happy stage crew. I mean, normally our shows in September and by the time you get to September, everybody's gone through the fair season. And they're, they're just whipped. They don't want to play no more. They want to go, they want to have their break, but everybody, honestly, and I say this reluctantly, but yet I think it's something worthy of saying when we started work, now you're talking about road crew and stage hands and roof builders and that haven't worked literally had grown big old men coming in there start crying because they were going back to work and they were just feeling that excitement and energy and everybody was happy and it was just a great synergy and energy of just a good it was a positive very positive so that's great it was, it was good it was good good felt good to shake out the cobwebs right it did you know we <laughs> store we store we store all of our bars and everything in semi truck uh, trailers and we stack them and put them aside and we have like eight of them and the first one we opened three rat ran out of the of the back of the trailer and i said that's just not a good sign right there so we had to spend time re-welding a lot of connections and you know reworking things but it was it was definitely knocking the cobwebs off because we normally have one every six months and then and like i said it was 20 months with the 20 month yeah. break yeah. But it was sure good. It was sure good to to get back to it. It really That's was great. Well, congratulations! That's Thank just you. So so exciting and great news to hear that there's not a spike in numbers. So I think for everybody you know, moving forward throughout the season. That's that's good news to hear. So I'll have one final question for you. What is your takeaway? You know, what what things do you think you'll continue to implement as you move forward with your festivals? You've got a couple coming up here this this uh, September and this fall, right? Right. I think we're going to I think for September, we're going to main we're definitely going to maintain the hand sanitizer. That's good for nine hours and require everybody to spray their hands when they come to the park. We're definitely going to maintain our survey. 
I think the survey, you know, is an inconvenience, but I think it's still, assuming everybody's honest, is, is keeping everybody in the right, at least some sense of a check. And that way, if somebody does say no, or says, says positive or something, then we can test them and they'll be safe. But other than that, I mean, I, I think you're going to, I think your artists are going to still feel a sense of um, kind of stay in, stay in office a little bit, trying to protect their investment. But maybe by September, everybody will be, you know, there'll be more people vaccinated. I mean, the immunity, you know, you hear these words called herd immunity. I mean, maybe that will kick in. Mm -hmm. But I, I mean, that's our plan as of right now is to try to, yeah. to, to stay with what we know is safe. And it's honestly, it's a good procedure and practice just for flu season and strep throat and all the things sure. that could get spread in a, a mass crowd. It's not a huge, huge expense. I mean, it's, it's $15,000 investment. And yet that that gives you some sense of a protective uh, umbrella over your event with your people from all infections. And I think we're going to keep our survey in just to, to, to maintain some sense of a protocol um, when people coming in, because we sell to all 14, I mean, still 14 countries and we sell to all 50 States. So yeah. even though our numbers may not be so good, I mean, maybe good. I mean, somebody coming from Germany may not be so good. So we, we want to maintain that questionnaire with them and, and require um, some proactive testing if that's what it needs to be to protect our consumer in the first place. Great. Great. Well, again, congratulations and good luck this fall. We Our event happens over Labor Day. So yeah, we're seeing a lot of the same thing, things that you are with just advancing with the artists that it's kind of all across the board as far as you know their, their level of comfort and um, yeah, we'll see as things evolve throughout the summer. It's it, it's amazing to me how quickly people go back to normal behavior uh, once they're out in the public and just glad I, to be amongst people again. I think I think just based on our consumers doing what they do, I think people had been locked up so long and didn't really understand why we were locked up as strong as we were locked up. And I'm not saying, I'm not getting, I'm just saying when they got to that open door, they ran out. They were like, I'm out. I don't want to go back there again. I want to, I want to be with my friends. I mean, I, I mean, it just was, I, I agree with you. It's amazing how people just move on. And I guess, you know, we forget the bad side and we, we, we invest, you know, and embrace the good side. So. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate that live music. That's for sure. So they do. There's yeah. nothing like having 25, 30,000 people and the downbeat of that headliner goes on stage and you just yeah. feel the energy turn up. It's just pretty exciting. It's pretty exciting. It's great. It's great. So, well, again, thank you so much, Randy. Really appreciate your time. And uh, we'll hopefully see you in October at the IEBA conference. Deal. I'd love to. All right. We'll see okay. You. Thank you take so care. much. All right. Bye -bye. Take care. Bye-bye.